All right, now joining me here on Next on the T is the founder and CEO of Opportunity Seed Capital, and that's Brian Finnerty. Opportunity Seed Capital is a venture capital firm specializing in the sports and technology sectors. He is also currently the acting CEO of two major brands, Galway Bay and V1 Sports. Galway Bay is one of the golf industry's leading outerwear brands. And you guys know how great the V1 Sports app is. We reference it all the time here on this show as a great vehicle to have the best instructors in the game analyze your swing. They are the leader in video swing analysis software. Now, let me give you a little more background, though, on Brian. He played soccer in college at San Diego State, where he led the Aztecs to three NCAA bursts and a spot in the finals during his four years there. Graduated in 1990 with his degree in sports marketing. He was drafted by the Detroit Rockers and spent 11 seasons in the National Professional Soccer League. In 2003, he founded the Sports Facilities Advisory and consulted on the opening of development of some of the largest sports centers in the country. There, Brian helped open more than $100 million worth of new facilities. In over 20 years, Brian served as the honorary chairperson for the Michigan Tri-County DARE Association, mentoring young people about the positive aspects of staying drug and violence-free. Brian also sits on the board of the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame, focusing on growing youth sports participation. As a result of all of that, he was recognized by President Clinton for his outstanding service and dedication to the community. And I'm very honored to have him with me here on Next on the T. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. So, Brian, like I say, looking back over everything that you've done in your career so far, absolutely amazing stuff. How would you go from being a career soccer player to founding the Sports Facilities Advisory and opening all of these great sports facilities? Um, you know, it, it's a, a short but but long story. I'll try to get the short end of it. Uh, having played pro soccer for 11 years and getting the good fortune to travel around the globe, um, I was in and around sports facilities literally every city we went into. So as, as some guys would kind of go to the hotel and play Xbox or chill out, um, quite frankly, I'd rent a car, go tour the city, and I had a fascination with sports facilities, kind of thinking I'd always want to own one. So when I retired in 2001, uh, I opened up a 270,000-square-foot sports facility here in Canton, Michigan, called High Velocity Sports, which my wife and I still own today. We kind of consider that our legacy project here. Um, and uh, after we opened it, we did things a little differently. So most facilities would open and the guy would, you know, turn the key, open the doors, go turn the coffee on. If a referee called off in a game, he'd shut concessions down, go rough a game. And it's kind of a, you know, one guy in the shop. We just changed that to essentially say every discipline in the business has its own focus and each sport has its own director. And each of them is responsible for their own P&L, which then obviously, you know, ports up to the larger company. And doing that, we were profitable by the second year. And in the sports industry, it really wasn't known to be profitable if you own those facilities. It was more of a give back, if you will. And so we got a lot of inquiries, people saying, how are you doing it? What are you doing differently than the other 600 facilities around the country? And, you know, fast forward to us kind of showing our operating system, how we build customer journeys within the facility, talk about usability, cleanliness. Um, it just is a culmination of starting a consulting business. And then from there, partnering up with someone who did a lot of development work. And as you'd imagine, for facilities of that size, revenue per square foot is important, and you got to value engineer them to make them efficient. So you put all that stuff together, and 
We ended up opening about $100 million under my watch uh, when I sold the company to my two other partners at the time, so they still own it. I think they now manage something like $3 billion worth of um, assets around the globe. I've done uh, several in the Caribbean, Europe, Abu Dhabi, uh, all over the United States, Canada, and South America. Um, I sold it to them in 2008, and they've absolutely exploded it. So I still sit with them as a senior board member, uh, advisor, kind of watching them from a close afar and just marveling at how much impact around the world those things have. And from there, now, now you're... Uh... Now you're on the board of the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame, which has to be fantastic. I mean, there are so many great athletes from Michigan or who played in the state of Michigan. I mean, I, I was kind of looking through the inductees. I mean, going all the way back to the first class where Walter Hagen was inducted. I mean, guys like Gordie Howe and Hank Greenberg, Horton Smith, Al Kaline, Dave Bing, Jerome Bettis, Derek Jeter, a good friend of ours on the football side on our show Thursday Night Tailgate. Lem Barney is in there, who's a great singer. By the way, I mean, I could go on and on about all the great athletes that you guys, you know, have in, the, in that Hall of Fame. Talk about some of your favorite stories about being around those guys. Oh, man. Um, geez. Mitch album is probably my, my favorite. I think he was maybe 2015, 16. I'd have to go back and um, look at when he was in. But he's such a great storyteller. And for a guy that just could charm a a complete audience, which clearly he does on a regular basis, but we got to spend time with him kind of backstage, so to speak. And he's just a super kind, thoughtful person. Um, so he was certainly good to be around. Um, Jeter was interesting because the first year he was supposed to be inducted, uh, his plane broke down in New York and couldn't make it. So there was a mad scramble. And then the next year, um, obviously super apologetic, being a Kalamazoo guy. And again, down to earth. And I'm, I'm sure as you found on your show, I mean, we could take up the entire time talking about 99% of these guys, um, even just some honorary inductees, uh, guys who've been around at Cecil Fielder, whose hands are as big as catcher's mitts, who played for the Tigers for many years. Um, his all-star ring uh, is big enough to almost go around my all my hand and like onto a, my, my fist as a bracelet. That's how big it is. Hands are. Um, these, these guys are all great and they're very just kind and genuine and thankful. And, and I'll, and I'll move that into sort of the why. Um, having moved here from San Diego with all my family, my wife's family's from San Diego and, and Hawaii and wondering, you know, why didn't we move back? And you look at the rich tradition of sport here. And I think you could say that a lot about a lot of cities. Um, but the people here, uh, from the athletes, certainly. And I think those that love them, I'm very passionate about it and super humble and really found that appealing um, just as a, as a sports group as a whole and really loved being in and around that. And when I got a chance to sit on the board um, to specifically focus about how do we really point towards the youth sports in general, um, I was honored. And again, you know, enamored when you meet guys like Steve Eiserman and, and uh, Chelios and, and I can name all the sports, but but these guys truly are just great to be around and they love doing stuff, um, you know, wherever their home ultimately is, but it's great to see them come back to Michigan and, and spend time here. So very cool. Yeah. So let's, let's take that a half step further, Brian, because as you mentioned, you know, being out in San Diego and then getting drafted and playing uh, in the, the professional soccer league for the Detroit Rockers. Talk about how the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan becomes 
a second home and becomes a place where you don't move back to to where it all started. You become ingrained in, in part of that city's culture and you become, uh, I guess, an adopted Michiganian. Yeah, yeah, adopted is about the best uh, term. Uh, there's a simple way I can put it. The first week I was here, uh, having moved from the hustle bustle of Southern California, um, in, you know, this is back in the, the early nineties, but I think it's still true today. Whenever I go home and see my parents and my brothers, um, when we say hello in California, uh, it's, Hey, how's it going? And the response is, Hey, how's it going? It's like, hello, hello. I don't want to know really how it's going. But when you come to Michigan, you say, Hey, how's it going? Uh, somebody says, oh, man, hey, it, it's going great. Uh, picked up a second shift at Ford and, um, you know, kids are, are doing great in school. And, and there's a story there. And when I first got here, I was a little put off by and almost irritated that, man, it, I really wasn't asking you for an answer. <laughs> um, but the reality is that that is the culture here, that people do really share stories um, and time. And I think that comes with the four seasons, which obviously we're kind of embarking between a late fall heading into winter. Um, but it, I just really loved it. I can't really put my absolute thumb on it, but then you mix that with their love of sport and retiring here. My last year I spent in New York, which is a little bit like California. Um, but we kept our home here in Detroit. And when we opened up our sports facility, um, immediately embraced. And I think to some degree supported and quasi thanked um, that we didn't leave and didn't go that we decided to stay here and in, in my world got to coach soccer, got to coach my boys. I have twin boys that are 19 now, sophomores in college. but got to coach them, got to coach a lot of other kids, spend time in the community. And um, Michigan just really embraced that. And I, I just felt right at home here. So it was an easy decision. Um, my wife, again, from Southern California and Hawaii, uh, a little harder for her. Um, but I think she would tell you today, she's a school teacher by trade, would tell you today that uh, just we, we just love the community. It's fantastic here. And, Brian, and I want to switch gears. As well, so. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I want to go next. Is let's let's talk about golf. I mean, I know you're uh, we'll get to the stuff with Galway Bay and, and the V1 app, both our major players in the golf industry. So let's talk about, you know, how you got involved you know, with the game of golf. Is it something that uh, that you've always played or something you picked up later on? <laughs> Um, you know, I'll say later on, end of high school into college, and, and that might be early for some, so I'm not really sure where that fits in everyone's journey. But um, at San Diego, or sorry, San Clemente Municipal Course, <clears throat> I, I should look up the pro there because I'm, I'm sure it was his doing. But um, any high school kids, any kids in general, could go play for a dollar fifty if you spent 30 minutes picking up balls outside the range. We've got a pretty um, small driving range, and balls tend to find their way onto the sixth and first fairways pretty regularly. And so in between groups, if you ran out there with a shag bag and picked up balls for a half hour, you could play for a buck fifty. If you didn't do that, it was seven bucks. So you know you had a whopping savings if you went and scrambled balls. But probably like most kids, you'd dump them back out of the shag bag and whack them back in the range. And I just kind of loved it. I also played baseball in high school and it was before people said golf was bad for your baseball swing and vice versa. Um so I tinkered with it, had some fun. Uh when we'd go to the beach, we'd each bring a sandwich down just to play games instead of frisbee we basically you know hit golf balls out of the sand to something and go chase it and do it again just a way to kill time between surf sessions so i've always kind of tinkered around with it um kind of goofed around with it a little bit in high school in college and then coming here to detroit we play from october much like a hockey season october to may 
And in the off season, uh, we didn't go back home to California. So we'd stay here over the summer. And between, uh, we were owned by the Illich family that owns Red Wings and the Tigers as well. So between the number of golf outings I got to play in and um, quite frankly, the amount of free golf I got to play at some really nice golf courses, uh, Warwick Hills, um, Detroit Golf Club, Detroit Country Club. It, it just, it was sort of a driving passion because you go out playing an outing and think, well, I can hit the ball far and that's why they want me here. But man, my short game is terrible. I better go practice. So um, it just kind of turned, turned around and uh, fell in love with it really going back to the early 90s. And I think one of the things that uh, people don't know enough about, Brian, is just how many wonderful golf courses there are around the state of Michigan. You, you mentioned some of the beautiful golf courses that you had an opportunity to go play. Talk about how wonderful the uh, the courses are throughout the state of Michigan. Wow. I mean, that could take up a whole show, and I'm sure everybody will brag about their state, so I don't want to do anybody some injustice. But um, uh, compared to California, again, growing up there, where golf really, because of the expense of it, I think it's very tough to get kids on the course. It's very tough to get um, lust and passionate people on a course that's not a six-hour round or only a municipal um, uh, course out there. I mean, out here, I, I can probably count 50 golf courses in the metro Detroit area that you could play for 30 bucks or less. Uh, that would be 125 bucks out in California. Beautiful, big trees, lots of color, um, undulation, even though Michigan's a relatively flat, uh, state. We've got a lot of moving hills out here, great growing conditions. And, um, and again, I think a community that really embraces being outside in the outdoors, which, you know, really right now, hot topic with COVID, but being out, um, it's lent itself very well. And so, and obviously the cost of land is not what it is on, on the East and West coast. So the ability to have more golf courses here and they're just gorgeous. Again, we named a few, but you know, you've got Crystal Downs up North, uh, Lock and Heath, two gems up in that area, Arcadia Bluffs. All of the, the Boyne resorts in Bay Harbor, you had Oakland Hills down here, uh, where I, close to where I live. And that's just mentioning the West and the North. And you can go over to, uh, the other side of the state. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing that literally within a, a three iron, you have opportunities wherever you go. So Brian, I want to spend some time talking about Galway Bay and the V1 app that, uh, you're currently the sitting CEO for and V1 is an app so many of the top instructors in the game lots of folks that come on this show are a part of so that and for for the one or two people that may may be asking what is v1 right it's a it's a a wonderful (laughs) app where you can give your you know record your swing and then send it off to uh like i say the top instructors in the game for them to do video analysis and help us all improve but talk about the idea and the concept and where all that came from um, on the V1 side, it, yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, it, it's a 25 year old company and the original idea was really just, um, optimizing telestration. And again, we have to go back 25 years to think how groundbreaking it was then and how much we take it for granted that we could do it on our phones and iPads now. But it was really the idea that, um, there's real and feel. And at the end of the day, um, and I'm speaking for the original founder, Chris Hart. And hearing his stories about the idea was having talked to enough golf pros and he was a fledgling golfer, like really didn't play sports growing up and, and kind of wanted to get into golf. 
But when an instructor would tell him something, it's not what he had in his brain. And so he couldn't put those two things together. You know, hey, you know, keep your right elbow tucked in or brace against your left side. And he just didn't, he couldn't really grasp it. So adding video and the idea of drawing lines and circles and, and being able to telestrate for him really made that clear. Fast forward, uh, you know, six, seven years ago when I invested into and bought controlling interest of the company, I was looking to leverage what they had done so perfectly in the golf community, really an icon in the instruction space, almost 10,000 golf instructors in the U.S., another 5,000 globally, um, a, a real stalwart in the game. It was how do we take that and add to it? So how do we then create virtual lockers because players don't want it to be dropped into Dropbox or uh, texted to them and waiting for the spinning wheel of death as it downloads. Um, so we really saw an easier way to say, let's create a, the other side of that portal, which was V1 Golf for the consumer, which is free. Get it in the App Store on every platform, whether it's iOS, Android, Google Play. And when your instructor records that swing, rather than, you know, in the old days, handing you a, 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 a tape or a, or a burnt CD, um, they actually just, you know, it automatically went into your virtual locker. And whether you got home on your computer or looked at it on your phone, and if you want to capture your own swing and send it back to your instructor, it happened seamlessly. So that was a big shift for us six or seven years ago. And then we really built on that platform to include things like integration with the Apple Watch or any of the watch uh, platforms where you can record your swing with a tap of a, uh, a watch tap. Uh, you can overlay your swing and look at yours compared to when you hit it great. Or I can compare myself to Dustin Joss Johnson or Jordan Spieth or whoever I'd like to. And then the evolution from there was, okay, that's great. We're doing it on the range. We're doing it with instructors. I can do it remotely. I don't have to be with Tom Patry down in Florida. I can record my swing up in Michigan, still send it to Tom and he can, he can literally give me a virtual lesson either live or, you know, put it back in my inbox the next day. That's all great. But what's actually happening on the golf course? And as many of us know, that's the challenge. Can you take it from the range to the game? And most pros will tell you that. The feedback they get from their students about how the game went didn't necessarily mirror the same as if you had a playing lesson where the pro is actually charting what you did. Or if you're fortunate enough to play on any of the tours, shot stats and stat link, they all do that for you. So the players know where they hit and miss, rights or left, rough, fairway, shots around the green. And so we introduced this concept about a year and a half ago to the pros and said, what if we could give you that information that you had literally the data from Brian Finnerty playing around at Walnut Creek Country Club? Or my last five rounds. And so before I walk up on the practice tee, you actually know where I'm, where I'm missing and where I'm gaining, where your lessons are having an effect and where we need to work. Uh, as you'd imagine, it's like a doctor, you know, rather than the patient barging through the door and, and the doctor has to do an intake, that intake's already done by the time you see the doctor. So he or she has an idea of what they're going to prescribe for you. And we figured the same would be true for pros, which we found out that it is. And that was the birth of V1 game. So we started it almost two years ago, got it out of beta six months after that, and have really had it into the market now strongly for about six or seven months, um, obviously evolving every day. But you can literally play with your phone in your pocket or with an Apple or Google Watch, uh, chart yourself around a golf course. It follows you, drops little breadcrumbs, shows you where you're at, uh, starts to learn which clubs you hit. It, it, we even have a feature called Caddy that will show you what club to hit if you're not sure what the wind direction is, et cetera. So it's a very robust system when you take V1 golf and you pair it with V1 game. And then for the teaching pro, their other side of that is called V1 coach. 
So I can say, again, picking Tom Patry, he's my guy. When I designate him as my recipient of my data, or Mike Fay at Walnut Creek, if I'm playing in the summer, those guys get my data and they can build a plan for me, whether I'm with them or not. So sorry for the long diatribe there, but it's a, it's a pretty robust system that kind of wraps its arms around the golfer and says, we'll meet you where you're at, whether you're a 26 handicap or you're a two. And um, we believe we've got the tools to help you get better, whether you're working with the pro or not. Um, but we've always got that option that, you know, as you kind of go down that journey, again, with almost 15,000 pros globally, we're pretty sure we've got somebody near you that's familiar with our system, that understands your data and can help you get better. So, Brian, let's let's take it uh, a little further with the V1 game. Talk about how it works. It's so intriguing to understand, you know, to have all of that data presented back to us. What do I have to do as a player in order to capture all of that? And then not only be able to share that with, and Tom Patry's fantastic. He's a great friend of the show, comes on all the time, and uh, I love TP. Um, but how, how would I be able to gather all of that data, share it with TP, but also see it myself as, uh, as I'm kind of completing my golf round? Yeah, so uh, at the risk of this sounding overly simple, it's literally if you didn't know anything about it, Go to the app store, you get V1 game. It's a little green icon, has the V1 logo in it. Install it on your phone. Next time you get out to the golf course, we've got almost 40,000 golf courses around the globe. So, you know, very, very high chance that wherever you're playing, um, it's going to be in there. And let's say we're, you know, you and I are out at Pebble Beach. We pick Pebble Beach. It'll ask us what tees we're playing. We hit the tee. And then literally you could play with the phone in your pocket in your back pocket. You could throw it in the cart. You could put it in your golf bag if you and I were taking a loop. Um, so we'll assume we're taking a loop. I actually play with an, an Apple Watch, um, but either one will work. And so it literally just, once you turn it on, it follows you around the golf course. Every time you stop um, and you make a motion of a swing, so if you've got the phone in your pocket or a watch, it then knows you actually were taking a golf swing versus me watching you, you know, hit your ball or you watching me hit mine. But if you left it in the cart, and it didn't know if you were swinging. It just drops a little X right there. And then let's say your drive is, you know, 20 yards up further than mine. It's going to also drop an X there. At the end of the hole, you could say, well, I was this shot, not that shot. And I hit a seven iron. Or after the round, you could do the same thing, right? But in either case, you knew where you were. And it also, at the end of the hole, asks you what your score is. So we're playing a par five. I got a five. Again, on my watch, I was just five and two, two putts. And it pretty much knows that here are the three spots Brian stopped. It said he had two putts. It knows the distances. I play with it long enough now, and it starts to learn, okay, from 170, he's hitting a seven iron. Off the tee at 270, that was probably a driver. Uh, you know, from 100, that's going to be my 50-degree wedge. And you can correct these if they're wrong or if you're playing into a ton of wind or downwind. But for the most part, it essentially follows you around the course. And the more you play, the more it learns, right? It starts to really learn that somewhere between 166 and 172, that is my seven iron. And I don't have to tap it much once it starts to learn. Essentially, it's got artificial intelligence. But then at the end of the round, it says, hey, would you like to save your scorecard? I typically go back through that just to make sure, number one, my scores are complete. And number two, to make sure it didn't have any, if I hit three wood off a certain tee. Um, I don't like to do it as much on the golf course. I just like to let it run. Um, but after the round, it'll take me two or three minutes just to kind of clean it up. Um, and then I just hit save and all my data spits out. It'll tell me greens and regulation right or left off the fairways. If I did miss a green, was I short, right, left, and by how much? Not just short, left, or right, but it'll say, hey, your average miss 
screen left was uh, short by seven yards and left by three yards. So then I can start to chart, again, if I'm sending that info to TP, he's then saying, you know, we're really not going to work on the 100-yard 100, 100 wedge shots. I know you feel like you sculled a couple, but that wasn't, I mean, those, those are just bad swings. That wasn't your miss. You dropped three strokes to par because you didn't get up and down from only three yards off the green. And the data all shows that. So I'm looking at it on my phone or my iPad. TP is looking at the same output. It's a little more robust for the coaches because it's breaking down literal misses by, I'll say, fractions. And, and players can get the same data. We just kind of distill it down to something a little simpler. Um, but that's quite it. You know, I, I did a lot of description there. But quite frankly, it's have it chart you around the course. You make the additions or subtractions. I've played a number of rounds where I literally just put in five, two, four, one. And that's all I do. And at the end of the day, it's got about 90% of where I hit minus a few choke down six irons or, you know, a utility club instead of a three iron. But quite frankly, I'm just looking at the mass data and it's, I'm just taking me from a eight and a half this year down to a five. And yeah, I've played a little bit more golf for sure, but my practices have been much more focused. I've been working with Mike Fay up here and spending some time with TP on the phone. Um, it's pretty easy to start talking about, let's just bring up your data and take a look versus, you know, hey, give me a 15 paragraph summary of what your game is and the pros trying to figure it out in between. You know, the pros just saying, hey, let's talk about your shots off the tee. Give me the raw data. Right? I, I tell them most of the time I'm slightly right and here's my distance. Okay, that's not the problem. So let's keep moving. Right? So it's pretty easy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the, at the end of the day, right? I mean, it's all nice to know you know, having something keep your score for you and, and maybe how many putts you had or greens in regulation. But at the end of the day, what it sounds like to me, Brian, one of the great pieces of that is it helps you hone in on what you need to be practicing on, right? If I'm missing, to your point, short and left with whatever club I might be hitting, it's going to tell me that that's where I need to be spending a lot of my time on the practice tee trying to fix. Why am I hitting this shot short and left? Right. Am I am I hitting it bad? Am, is it not enough club? Is it you know, I've got a shut face? I mean, that, those are things that TB can come back to you with to try to hone in on how to fix that shot, which will ultimately, in my opinion, is going to save you two or three shots around, which is, as you say, you're going to go from an eight and a half to a five by eight, by being able to see that data and go hone in and fix that shot. Right. Absolutely. You know, and it, it's got a little depth to it. So. Being a past professional player, we know that, you know, it isn't practice makes perfect, perfect practice that makes perfect. And you can't have perfect practice if it's, okay, I hit uh, seven greens in regulation today. That honestly doesn't really mean anything to me personally and didn't resonate with me. So as I was keeping it in a flip book, like a lot of players do, uh, it just, I'm not going to go over and step off. How many steps to the left did I miss? I'm already pissed off that I missed the shot, you know? <laughs> so, um, so knowing that data to your point, that really was the key. So to me, it was looking at it and not letting my emotion drive the practice. Because again, I think whether you're a 26 or a six um, or zero, emotion drives our practice. Pick any sport and pick any high level athlete. And, and going back to the Michigan Hall of Fame guys, I also found this, right? And gals. Um, Kate Sobrero, who's one of our local uh, women's national team soccer players, is really passionate about golf. And she'd tell you that she gets pissed off at her driver 
But the reality is it's probably not where she's really missing. It's the approach shot from that spot. But we blame it on the driver because that's what felt bad. Or we blame it on the X because that's what felt bad. The data just cleans it up for us. And I'll give you one small example. So our director of uh, sales operations, Mike Brown, was missing long left uh, only with his seven iron. So you'd kind of say, well, is it, you know, everybody says, well, that's not my favorite club or is my favorite club. Well, it happened to be his favorite club, but he was always missing long left uh, on the data. Well, he took his club in, we played at Walnut Creek, took his club in, and they put it on the loft line machine. It was actually shut by two and a half degrees, whether it got banged in his bag, the grip put on incorrectly, whatever the reason was. But that club was actually hooded and shut different than the rest of the clubs in his bag. He would have never, ever found that out had he not been using V1 game or, or something that charted the actual shots and distance. He just would have made some adjustments or always aimed a little more right with the seven iron. And that's no way to play this game, right? So again, whether you're looking for the proper fitting on your driver, which we can, most of us now adjust with the you know flip of a wrench to making sure that, hey, do your clubs all have the proper loft and line? Are they really set the way they should be? Because as a pro looks at it, if the data is all consistent minus one or two clubs, it actually might be the club or it might be the grip put on incorrectly or it could be, you know, whatever. It sounds silly and it sounds like real fine tuning, but I don't want to go play another 20 rounds with a bent club or the wrong loft or lie. So it does have application even outside of just how you chart your game, which is, and we're just discovering that we had, that wasn't what we set out to do, but it's one of these nice byproducts. You're saying, wow, we know that equipment, equipment makes a difference without a doubt, but also having properly fit equipment and properly working equipment makes the most difference. So it's been kind of cool to see that data too. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic stuff. So that, you know, finding that information out to your point is going to make all the difference in your round. So kudos to you guys for coming up with that. Brian, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about Galway Bay. And um, as I was doing the research, my golf spy awarded you guys the best rain gear back-to-back years in 2018 and 19. And Brian, I got to be honest with you. I, I am not a guy who typically goes out and plays. If there's you know a decent chance that it's going to rain or during the winter months, I don't play that much. And the, and the reason for that is just because I hate wearing layers of clothes. It, my, my swing feels like it gets restricted. And then that sort of gets in my head, right? I'm thinking too much about what I'm wearing and not what I'm, you know, focusing out there on, uh, on the play. So I end up playing poorly and I end up not playing, but I'm very intrigued by what I read on the Galway Bay website about how your outerwear allows breathability and flexibility. Talk about how that brand is able to give us those two things back. Uh, it's been an evolution for sure. I mean, when we started in 2000, I'll say 10, 11-ish, it was just we wanted to have some warm gear. And Terry Perlman, who was our founder, um, I helped him raise some capital back in 2014 to really grow the first next stage of the brand. So Terry had, had been on his own from 11 to 14, but I spent enough time around Terry to know that um, the real goal was just to get something warm. And so he built a pair of lined pants that were heavy. Uh, they were loud, but they were pants. They weren't uh, at the risk of being inappropriate. They weren't a golf condom. You weren't pulling it up over all your other gear, sweating to death in them, even though it was cold outside and wondering, what, to your point, why am I even doing this, right? Um, they weren't a, something that was shoved in your bag. They were actually a pair of pants. So those sold out. 
for two years running, um, even these sort of heavy, almost flannel lined pants. And uh, Terry knew he was onto something then. And so when we helped him raise capital and um, I ended up becoming CEO of the company, it was really about, okay, how do we take that concept and then just get really technical about it? Because that's, that's where I sort of spend most of my time in sports tech. And that's not always software. That can be different fabrics, different ways of doing things. And so we went through hundreds of different iterations, different manufacturers um, from in the U.S., in Vermont and Tennessee and North Carolina to Costa Rica, Taiwan and China. Uh, we were working with with tons of providers to kind of how do we thin this down, but how do we keep it flexible? Because to your point, I can build something waterproof tomorrow and, you know, you can go into any uh, – uh, marine store and buy a nice yellow jacket and you will not get wet, but you're not going to swing a golf club in that. You are going to, you know, you'll be able to stay dry on a big open ocean, but you're not going to play golf in it. And I can get you something really, you know, neat and sleek and cool looking. But quite frankly, if you're not warm and if the water is eventually getting through, that's almost worse. And so we just tinkered with kind of finding our Hydroflex 32, which is a very, very thin three layer membrane fabric so soft on the inside a breathability factor through the middle and then a waterproof factor on the outside um, to do just that and each had to have its own four-way stretch and i'd say really in about 2016 we started to perfect it and then as you mentioned my golf spy awarded us an 18 and 19 best outerwear and that's against cross galvin green k-juice uh, adidas under armor we're a small little company um, but we did spend a lot of time really on the fit and fabric side and to make sure that it looked good. Most of our guys will tell you that as much as, yeah, I can go play, you know, a great round of golf. Uh, today we call it Galway Bay Day. Today's a great day up in Michigan. It's 51 degrees. It's going to be light rain off and on. Courses are still in fantastic condition. And I, like you, didn't like playing all the stuff, so my game kind of shut down. Uh, my son and I are going to go out and play 18 holes today because we've got the right gear and quite frankly, it'd be pretty comfortable. So, you know, it, it was really a journey to find the right stuff. And then um, our designers in San Diego and in Switzerland do a great job of, of honestly giving us so many looks at, does it stretch this way? Does it move that way? Uh, is it quiet? Because when I'm walking down with a, again, I'm not pulling a pair of pants over. I'm literally wearing a pair of slacks that I could wear into the club after I play and they'd look like, you know, a set of Lululemons or, uh, you know, insert your nice looking slacks here, athletic cut. Um, they're quiet, you know, and so when I'm walking down the fairway, it's not shush, 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 you know, scratch, crinkle. Uh, it's a, it's a quiet piece of gear. And so we find that people wear it even off the golf course, right out to a cold football game in normal non COVID times or last night I was out fishing. Uh, I wore my Galway Bay gear. It was just, you know, it was going to be off and on a little bit and it was a perfect fit. So, yeah, it, it, uh, it's been a good journey and, and we're constantly tinkering. I think that's the benefit of being a smaller company. We're not looking at 50,000 pieces that we have to design for, you know, the mass market in 2023. We get to be looking a year out every time and saying, hey, what, what are the needs? What has changed? COVID has shown us that the golfer in general has changed. Um, it's not just the avid golf crazies like us. It might be somebody who plays in four corporate events that actually just really like playing with their kids this, this summer and wants to extend a season into the fall who says, yeah, if I'm going to buy one jacket, um, 
I kind of need something that, you know, golfers are willing to spend for just golf gear only. But as you kind of widen the scope of that, people are saying, I'd like to have a jacket that I can wear out to dinner or I could wear uh, out to a soccer game or to a football game or a pair of pants that if it's going to be a little bit nasty out, um, I can wear them when I'm not on a golf course. And we kind of fit that realm for them because it's still good looking, but it is high performance. Brian, one other thing that I saw on the site that is intriguing to me as well is the is the thermal sleeve that you guys have available. Um, talk about how that's a little different from from the jackets, but also can help us, you know, stay warm and uh, and uh, keep the uh, water off us too. Yeah, you know, it was a simple concept um, that Terry and I had many years ago, which was okay when I'm playing and I'm throwing my short sleeve jacket on. But if it does start to rain, my arms are cold. And if I just were to wear, you know, a, a long sleeve turtleneck underneath, to use an example, my arms are going to get wet, my, but my body's dry. And so, again, as, as part of our process of finding fabrics, we found a fabric that was not only waterproof, but you could pull it up as a sleeve. And up around the bicep, it's got uh, essentially that same kind of sticky waistband material you see in many uh, golf pants, you see in our pants. It keeps them from sliding up and down. They're form-fitting, so they're nice and tight. You can swing your arms off, and they're not going to slide down. And so if it did start to rain or if it got a little chilly, uh, you just pull the sleeves on, and it really looked like you had a long sleeve shirt on underneath because really all you needed was sleeves. You didn't need everything else. Um, and if you're wearing it with one of our short sleeve jackets, it's waterproof. So, you know, if the, if the rain broke and you felt like, I just you know, it's kind of warm enough that I don't really want the sleeves, you didn't have to run into the bathroom, take off a turtleneck underneath or a long sleeve shirt. You just pull the sleeves off, throw them in your bag, and you're back to short sleeve. Um, and we amaze a lot of people when, you know, you put them on and take a beer and pour it over or, or a bottle of water and literally it just beads off and, and falls to the ground. Um, it's pretty amazing. So it was, we kind of stumbled on it as an idea just to add one more element. And uh, it's become, quite frankly, one of our best sellers because the it, the word of mouth fail on that is incredible. People get them and we get request after request. Hey, can I get 10 of these for my buddies? Uh, they didn't believe it when I pulled, put them on and now they all want it. So yeah, we, we find the sort of word of mouth on that has been really good. Brian, just a couple more before I let you go. And obviously we're starting to look ahead to the holiday season. So as you mentioned, you know, a lot of us golfers, we do buy things that are strictly just for golf. But uh, but we also are, are sort of scratching our heads because for the golfer in our life that has everything, it seems like you guys have a lot of things that uh, that we could utilize. So talk about some of the some of the other hot sellers. What are, what things in particular that we could pr pretty much add to the list for the golfer who has everything? I'm going to go out and get them this. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the site, GalwayBayGolf.com, uh, you'll obviously see everything there. But <clears throat> the jacket is our, our number one seller. Uh, it, 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 again, it's just so versatile. It's sharp. It's really stylish. Um, you know, everything from spitting. We played uh, last year in Ireland, spitting wind and rain 50 miles an hour. We were, me and another guy who had it, were the only two out of 16 guys that played every round. Um the jacket clearly is our kind of first and foremost. The pants being that they are pants, you put a belt through them. They look like slacks. I think those are great. We have a full exchange policy, so if they're not the right fit, no problem. If you need them tailored, uh, we do that too. So for the golfer who's looking for a different inseam length, uh, we can take care of that. 
got gift cards, so that makes it easy. It's like, I'm not really sure if the person would want a, a, a jacket or a pair of pants. Uh, gift card options are available. And a little sleeper, I'd say that the two kind of sneaky sleepers for us, um, the short sleeve jackets are uh, absolutely weather and bulletproof. So if you're if you're kind of anywhere from the Mendoza line south in the U.S. and going to be thinking about playing over the winter months, uh, we've got too much snow up here to make that work. Um, but where the season may come and go pretty quickly, the short sleeve jacket is great. And uh, the last thing I'd say is we've got a backpack that's made out of ballistic nylon. Um, it, it is, I think, the number one, the best tournament gift because we typically will, will offer that with, you know, a pair of pants or a jacket or both stuffed in there. Um, but it is indestructible. I mean, it, this thing has traveled the globe with me. I put it 135,000 miles on in 2019. And this backpack has seen uh, uh, pretty much every spot around the globe and still looks brand new today. If I shot you a picture of it, you'd think I just took it out of the box. So uh, that's a nice little gift too, says Galway Bay on the back, which is great. So it's a little bit golf specific and, and looks sporty, but it's classy. And, uh, you know, like our gear, it kind of represents someone who says I'm thoughtful about what I want to wear or carry. And it looks really nice. Brian, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing? And plus uh, what's going on with the V1 app, V1 game and Galway Bay. How can they stay up to date with all of that stuff by uh, either going online to the websites or following you over social media? Um, yeah, you know, thanks. I appreciate that. So v1sports.com, easiest way to find all things V1. And we've just made uh, a big move into baseball. So I know this is a golf show, but find on with Clayton Kershaw and his group. Um, so we're going to be moving into baseball. So you can keep up with that. On the golf side, everything is always up to date on v1sports.com and also on YouTube, uh, Galway Bay. So it's galwaybaygolf.com. And we've got all of our new announcements that'll go there. Uh, certainly hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, always, you know, happy to meet guys there or Brian at Brian Finnerty is my Twitter handle or at coach Brian 22 is on Instagram. So I'm pretty active on uh, all of the above. I'd say Twitter and LinkedIn probably more so than others, but yeah, that's a uh, you know, great way to stay in touch. Or if there's any questions, certainly happy to answer them there as well. Well, Brian, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and be a part of the show. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime so we can hear about all the latest updates and the things that you guys are working on. It's been great having you here. No, I appreciate it, Chris. I'm going to have to make you my agent. You uh, you, you know your stuff, got your background covered, and uh, it's always great when you're spending time with somebody with as much golf knowledge, clearly, as you do, and um, just appreciate being on the show. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Sounds great. Thank you. See you, Brian. That is Brian Finnerty, F-I-N-N-E-R-T-Y. He is the CEO of Galway Bay and V1 Sports. And Galway is G-A-L-W-A-Y. So Galway Bay. Check it out online, folks. Fantastic stuff. And pants. Are you talking about pants? Those things look fantastic. I can't wait to get my hands on a pair of those. I mean, you want to talk about being able to be out, you know, whether a shower pops up or it's cold, get those lined pants, just wear them just as regular pants, not even just as those rain pants that we all have, you know, kind of stacked away in our golf bag. You got to pull those things out, pull them on top of your, on your current pants. Those things, awful. 
these things look fantastic. So really looking forward to checking those out. And then the opportunity to have a jacket. And I'll tell you, and I mean this sincerely, folks, one of the things that I hate about playing in the wintertime or playing if there is a high probability of, of rain is the fact that you got to put the, the rain suit on or whatever you got. And it's just so bulky. I end up thinking more about my golf swing than I do about playing the game. And then, it, you know, you end up hitting bad shots and then the game just goes right down the drain. So a lot of us, if you're like me, we just end up packing it in and not playing at all, even if we have a tee time that day. So both of these things look fantastic. And the V1 Sports app, again, TP said to me, hey, Chris, download the V1 app, videotape your swing, send it to me, and I'll be able to break down your swing and we can help get you where you need to go. And that's exactly what happened. So the V1 Sports app is fantastic, folks. I can't recommend that highly enough. Download the app and the V1 game as well. That even sounds fantastic. So get both of those things going for your game. Galway Bay, check out what they have online. Really looking forward to having Brian back on the show, hopefully again real soon. 